Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of House of League. Big week in the world of Rugby League with the big grading vote taking place uh, at Huddersfield's John Smith Stadium on Wednesday. And to stick with the theme of grading, we have decided to keep things pretty simple this week. And we are going to go through every Super League club and grade their season so far. And with me to do that, I have one and only Paul Cook, who is... uh, You've probably watched more games than anyone this year, Cookie, with Man of Steel and TV and radio. You you, you must be sick of the sight of rugby league by now. Well, no, I'm sick of the sight of some of the games, Matt, but not, not others. Um, some of them have not been great to watch, spectacularly, but um, yeah, some of them have been really good. And the other person joining us uh, to record this is Joe Appleyard, our whole KR reporter, who it felt it felt the right person to bring on because poor Dan, I don't think I can ask him to grade Hull FC, but I can definitely ask uh, Joe to grade Hull KR the way that they're going. Uh, Joe, what what have you made of this season, generally speaking, so far? No, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm glad you set the bar high with Cookie mentioned he was on first and then me, because I think listeners would have switched off if you'd have called me the one and only Joe Appleyard. But um, I mean, you are, you are the one and only, but for, <laughs> for that's just been nice. But no, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? I mean, Saints in eight, you've got Leo doing well. We'll speak about the strugglers. But yeah, I'm really enjoying this season, obviously with a red and white cap on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't blame you. Don't blame hmm. you. We'll, we'll get on to all chaos soon. What? Let's do this alphabetically so that we're not talking about all the great teams first and all the poor teams at the end. Uh, if we do it alphabetically, it should be a bit of a mix. So that means that we start with Castleford. Um, oh, Cookie, what 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 do we make of Castleford? We spoke a lot about Castleford on this podcast. Uh, look, they've not been very good. In fact, they've been pretty terrible. Um, but ge- generally speaking, have, have they done any better or worse than you anticipated they would do at the start of the season? No, pro- probably not. Probably they probably weren't where I expected them to be at the beginning of the season. Um, I felt that I felt the players that they, they lost and and then they recruited. It was, you know, some of the players was let, let's not beat around the bush of in the twilight zones of their careers. Um, so it was always going to be difficult. We've got a number of them off contracts as well. Obviously, the Lee Radford news early doors didn't didn't help the playing group. Um, the 14 of them that are off contract, that doesn't help them for next year. Um, I think Andy Last done a decent job. 
and I say that because the teams that they've beaten, the two teams that they've beaten at home, played really poorly against them. But I was at Salford and, and Cass last weekend, and they're, they're, they're more difficult to beat now, whereas I found that there was easier to beat earlier on in the season. So there is a little bit of steel about them, but listen, they've not been great, and, and they're certainly going to have to improve and improve quickly. And I don't see that that taking place this Friday night against Hull KR. Joe, we mentioned there, you know, Lee Radford left after three games. Andy Lass came in. Do you think they've got better under Andy Lass? Yeah, defensively, I do. Um, to reiterate, Cookie, I've watched a few of their games. I mean, I was at the first game when Hull FC absolutely obliterated him in the first half, and you've only had to see what Hull FC have done in their the rest of their eight games to prove why Cass are probably at the dying embers of the league as well. But I think, yeah, I'm, I'm liking what I see defensively. They've got a bit more grit about them and defence wins games. It's just their attack that really worries me. You know, I don't think Miller and Widdop are working and they're quite direct in the way they play sometimes, but they look a bit lost. Um, I don't know if that's Paul McShane. Is he coming to the back end of his career and it's kind of like a transition period that's needed? You could say that are probably about six of the clubs that we're going to go over in the next 40, hour, 40 minutes, an hour or so. But yeah, for Cass, I think they're getting the defence right. And from a personal point of view, you know, I like last and Hope to see him get a full-time gig. I've worked with him as a player as well and obviously now in the media side of it. And he's a really good bloke and I know how much this job would mean to him. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with his own recruitment drive because that's the thing. You can only judge Andy last once he starts to bring these players in. This isn't his group. Obviously, it's still Radders's. And, you know, I think if they go with Andy last, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. But for this season, I think, yeah, you can't really see him getting a playoff spot. But the defence is getting better each and each week. It's just their attack. That's their issue, in my opinion. Cookie, Andy Last, look, this is the talk, isn't it, at the minute, um, about who's going to be the, the permanent head coach. The, the word coming out is it will be Last, despite the fact they've only won two of, I think, two of six games that he's been in charge of. The, the plan was always there for it to be him because uh, they knew Lee Radford was leaving. They have interviewed several candidates, but it does feel like a bit of a, it does feel like a bit of a formality, to be honest, a bit of a box-ticking exercise. Um Beyond, beyond all that, do you, do you think he's the right man, Cookie? Well, he's a smart man. He's, he's done his apprenticeship in terms of coaching. He started at 23, Matt, when he when he started coaching at Hull. Um, he's now at 42 years of age. He's play, he's, he played under some really good coaches in, in his early career at Hull FC. And then he's been alongside some really, really quality coaches um, in, in the 20-odd years that he's been doing it. So... The, di- the difficulty for Castleford is, are, are they willing to, to get rid of Andy Last and then bring in another coach who doesn't want half the coaching staff there and he wants to bring in his own? And we've had this conversation before. The easiest exercise for them to do is to give it to Lasty and then let him see what he can do. Because ultimately, with 14 players out of contract, it's a very similar situation to Hull FC where you're able to pick and choose who you want out the door a little bit. And I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek as well, because you're going to have to keep some of them players. But um, I guess if you gave him the job now, uh, and giving him the job now needs to be done, or, or not giving him the job needs to be done, because all of the apprehension around the full place at Castleford, it, it, it's not it's not conducive to win games. You can't have all of them players out of contract and not know the coach is going to be, not know whether they're going to get a contract, not know what's happening in the backroom staff. Because of the the anxiousness and and everything that that brings, so uh, I think it'll be Andy. Um, I wish him all the best with it. It's not an easy job. Certainly not going to be an easy job because 
one, they're not playing well this season, and 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 I guess like them them teams at the bottom, the only saving grace for Castleford and and Hull FC towards the bottom end of the league is that Wakefield are that poor that the likelihood is is that they'll be the ones that are relegated. So it does give you a little bit more time to plan. If Wakefield pick up a couple, then who knows? Who knows? Whoever takes it, it's a, it's a huge rebuild, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. In terms of recruitment policy, in terms of getting uh, academy pathways and everything like that back to where they need to be. Um, but that that squad, it doesn't need tweaking. It needs pulling apart and starting again, doesn't it? You've, you've got 15 players over the age of 30. Um, and, and in fairness to them, in fairness to, to Castleford, from what I'm hearing... Their, their recruitment strategy, they are aiming for a lot of younger players, sort of in that 23 to 25 bracket. This time, uh, we've seen them sign Will Tate from Hull KR, who sort of fits that, bringing the squad average age down. But ultimately, what comes with that is you can't expect them to be a brilliant team next year. And they're not going to be a brilliant team next year. Are they? This is going to be two, three, four years before you know they're, they're looking like a a really competitive team doing what they want to do. You go for it, Joe. Yeah, I always think in rugby league as well, fans do get frustrated because there's only 12 teams in Super League and every team wants success. And apart from the league leader shield that people don't really care about, to be honest, there's only two trophies you actually can buy for, can't you? So, but you you only have to look at Cass where they've been in the last five, six years and Someone made a really good point. Again, going back to Hull KR, in 2017, Castleford made the grand final with the the neutrals club. Everyone loved them, what Hardacre and Luke Gale were doing. And they had the likes of Denny Solomon, all them players, didn't they? Which made people fall in love with Cass. Whereas Rovers are in the championship. You skip forward just six years. Rovers have kind of replaced Castleford with everything, doing everything right. And Cass have slowly been petering down the table. And it, it, as it's getting bad to worse for Castleford, and they are a frustrated bunch at the moment. But like you just said, Matt, this isn't going to be a short-term fix. And I think rugby league fans in general, for every single club in this division, you need to give people a bit of time. And it's not an overnight success. You mentioned some of the names who are out of contract. They're big name players, even if they aren't performing to the best of their ability like they used to. But for me, yeah, I think they need to change the recruitment strategy up a bit. I think they do need to maybe look for the NRL players. You know, you do you can get poor signings, but if you're just limiting yourself to overseas players who are still in Super League, if you, you're going for the likes of Albert Vetter, again, I've seen him first and full KR, you only have to see that he's at Featherstone on loan to prove why he probably wasn't the right signing. And if an overseas player is letting, getting let go by a Super League team, then it probably proves that they're maybe not worth putting a lot of money and investing into. So if they can change the recruitment stance, they've got a passionate bunch of fans, you know, they want to be ambitious, but so do the other 11 teams. So it's a race they need to kind of start making a few steps and a few inroads in. But yeah, it's a tough task if Lasty does get that job because, again, there's um, a lot of pressure on the shoulders because of the decline over the last five, six years. Yeah, uh, well, that, that recruitment uh, is just bonkers, isn't it? This whole overseas nonsense of only signing players that are, that are currently in the UK. It doesn't work. I mean, you only have to look at you. You pointed out, Joe. You've got Vetti on loan at Fev. Uh, Fanua was the 18th man this week. I think Matangi didn't play. Um, you know, he's been on dual reg at Halifax at times this year. So, two of your overseas players, well, three because they sent Fanua to Halifax as well. They've had three of their quarter players out on dual reg or loan in the championship this year, which some, you know, we, we all know the importance of the overseas players. It, it, 
just a it's a nonsense strategy. It's an absolute nonsense strategy. Um, it limits a bit. Limits your pull, Matt, doesn't it? It limits your pull, and and it limits your pull not not by half or three quarters, ninety percent. Mm. You know, you, you're talking that. You know, if you're saying how many overseas players there are in Super League, I think there's six or seven at each club, and then how many NRL players there are over there in the Queensland Cup or the New South Wales Cup or the Reserve Grade or whatever. You're talking. We've got probably ten percent of the 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 overseas players over here. And if you're only signing from that 10%, and there'll certainly be a reason why clubs let players go that are quarter players. They don't just, you, you can't have a quarter player in there that doesn't make a difference. And, and unfortunately, when you're sending them out on dual reg, they're not making a difference because that's why you're sending them out on dual reg because they're not performing for your club. But there's a reason that Hull KR have let Betty go, isn't there? There's a reason that Hull FC let Fanua go. Yeah, so we're talking about a couple of the overseas players there that have been let go by Super League clubs and are still going on loan to championship clubs. And that can't be right as a policy for me. Agreed. Agreed. Right. Grading then. What are we grading them? I'm, uh, we, we'll, what we'll do is we'll all give them a grade and then we'll average it out. So I'm I'm going to give Cass for the season so far an E+. Plus. It would have been an E, but there has been some slight improvement. Um so they get an E plus from me, Cookie. Yeah, well, I, I, I listen. I think, I think they could have done better than that, Matt. I think they could have beaten St. Ellen's, and I think they should have beaten St. Ellen's when you consider Farimo's dead ball line and, and the drop ball early on. I think they could have been better in the games that they have won. So I'm going to go lower than that, and I'm going to go the E. Okay, Joe. Yeah, I was going to agree with you. Probably an E plus, Matt. Um, it's. It's not a pretty picture at the moment. There is ways around it, and I think they will get better in time. But at the moment, you know, I think it kind of get overshadows, doesn't it, because of Wakefield's poor start and because they're still on zero. But Cass, yeah, they're struggling really bad, aren't they? They are. Okay. Um, so we're going with E plus, majority rule. Sorry. E plus. Sorry, Cookie. Um, no, that's fine, by me. E plus it is. Right, Catalan. Um, I'm not going to lie, lads. I've been in pleasantly. Impressed by Catalans, I thought that they might regress this year um, because of uh, an aging. T- you know, some of their key players getting older. Pierce a year older, Tompkins a year older. Tompkins has barely played. McLaurin didn't think they'd quite replace some of the players they'd left uh, that had left the club. However, they've done pretty well. Uh, the results are pretty good. They're up near the top of the league, um, and I think the the overwhelming positive for me is that. We've seen some new French players that we haven't seen before, and not only have they come in and filled a filled a jersey, they've actually looked like good, ready Super League players. So I, I'm I'm impressed with what we've seen from Carlon so far. What about you, Cookie? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Matt. With regards, I tell you what it is for me. It's a, a, there's a real structural plan at the club when you consider that they've brought them French players through. So this isn't about Mitchell Pierce, and it's not about Sam Tompkins, and it's not about Michael McLaurin, but it is about them young French players coming into the team and making it seamless. Yes, we're not going to get the quality of them three players I've just mentioned that haven't played or haven't played as much as they would have liked. But what we are getting is these young French players closer in performance to them players that are out than we've ever seen before. And I think that's testament to to one, Steve McNamara and uh, his group of coaching staff, 
but also the owner and him putting faith in that coaching staff and faith in in the younger French players. Um, you know the reserve grade down there that they have and, and and their academy and stuff. So I just think it's a massive tick in the box for them. And the most impressive win by by far is the win at Wigan. Um, I don't think there'll be many teams that go to Wigan and win this season. I don't think there'll be many at all. And Catalan have already ticked that box. So I think them sat in fourth place, having won six of nine games, is a is a real good start for them. And it it allows it gives confidence to them young French players that one, the coach has got faith in them, and two, they're at a level which is not just where they're going to compete, but they're going to win Super League games, and that's that's testimony to the club. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if, if I recall, I think 11 of their 17 on Friday, they lost, admittedly, to Huddersfield. Um, but 11 of their 17 were French, um, which is fantastic. It's what people have been wanting to see. And what you know what? What I would say as well is I wonder how much IMG has to play in that, because if I'm not wrong, IMG have, have told them that there's going to be like a, a cap on the number of French players they have to have uh, in in a match day squad. Um, and, it, and if, you know, whether that's been the catalyst for them to really push on with this, I don't know. But then again, that's only recently and you don't just pluck them out of off yeah. the street and become Super League players, do you? So they, it's probably something they've been working on for a long time. And you know what? Good on them because it's good for... It's good for Catalans, it's good for French Rugby League, it's good for Super League because it builds the player pool. And all in all, it's good news for Rugby League. So you know what, Joe? I think uh, I think everyone should be I think they should be applauding Catalan, to be honest, for what they've for what they've done this year. And not just Catalan, Matt, like you mentioned, the full French rugby league. I, I've been quite sceptical of it over the years, but you only have to look at the Elite One division and look at some of the attendances and the coverage that it gets, albeit sometimes just on YouTube over here. But I really enjoy watching it. And I think in the long run, France as the national team are going to get better. You look at some of the players Catalan have got in the ranks now. Um, Cesar Rougier, I might have absolutely butchered his name with my whole dulcet tones, but... Um, I, you know, I enjoy watching them. They've still got that aggressiveness, haven't they? But they've got a bit of French flair again. Um, and you only have to look at them big names that Cookie mentioned who aren't playing at all. And imagine if they'd have had a full-strength Sam Tompkins in there or Mitchell Pierce. you, you, you know, the, the world could be their oyster. And what Catalan are always going to do is they've got the X factor, haven't they, of the Perpignan and the south of France and the weather. So they're always going to be able to bring Aussies over. But the way they're managing it now, they're not just going over there and paying heap loads of money for players to come over so they don't have to rush these French lads. Steve Mack's backing them and the bringing like Sataki Aho, Adam Kerrion, who's really impressing. And yeah, they're, they're a recipe for success. And I think in an IMG era, I've seen a few people, a few owners as well, question what Catalan's worth is. You only have to look at what they bring on and off the field to see that they need to be kept in Super League. And they're one of the driving forces going into this new regime. So, yeah, full, you know, doff my cap to them at the moment. There's still a long way to go. They've picked up a few defeats in recent weeks, but that's only natural. They're picking up points. And I think we, when we did our preview, Matt, at the beginning of the season, me and you both said there was in for, you know, a struggle of a year and they're proving us wrong. And, I think eventually as the warmer weather gets um, you know, hotter, especially over here as well, that'll suit them down to a T. So just the beginning for Catalan this year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how these French French lads turn up in the long run. So what we're grading them. Uh I will go I think getting 
you know, looking beyond the results and, you know, the French development, everything like that, I think I'll give Catalans with six wins from nine a B plus. Cookie? Yeah, agree, Matt. Absolutely. <clears throat> not, they're not quite an A, um, but they're up there. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I go B plus with you. Ten, fifteen years ago, Matt, we used to go over there, and it was a jolly over to France. You know when they had the three years exempt from Super League when they first came in. Yeah, it's a jolly. You know, you you knew you was going to go over there and get a result. I tell you now, it's so different today. So different today. The players that go over there know they're in for. A, Hell of a game, a hell of a game. Whether it's without the superstars that they've got and just the friend, young French players, for them to lose at Huddersfield by the margin they lost by with eleven French players in their team is again you, you only you can only tip, tip your hat to it. So yeah, I agree. I think they've they've been fantastic, and then the recent results over the years of them winning the league leadership, making the grand final, have won Challenge Cups. They certainly add value to the competition. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Steve, Steve Mack's done a wonderful job, hasn't he? Since he's got in, he kept them up that first year and then they won the Challenge yeah. Cup, won a league leaders, made a grand final, the French lads are coming through. I think I think the job that Steve McNamara has done at Catalan is completely overlooked. I think he's done a fantastic job there. And like you said, Cookie, I think beyond all of that, the culture is built there. Yeah. is head and shoulders above what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, he's done a superb job. Uh, Joe, Grid? Yeah, B. Um, there's a buzz around Perpignan. You know, I think they're going to go on to do great things in you know in the next five ten years. I really like the Catalan setup, and yeah, good start to the season for them. And really, Lord Steve Mack as a coach. On to Huddersfield. Uh, this is a this is an interesting one because they were being tipped to you know really really push on. This was the year that they was they were going to compete. Some, myself included, thought that they would be the biggest challengers. To St Helens at the start of the season, uh, the results have been mixed. They have lost a lot of games tight, um, and I suppose in one sense that's a positive because you're not far off. But it does. There is that little nagging feeling of it. it's a little bit same old, same old in that regard. Um, so I think the, I think the jury's still out on them. I'm not quite sure. Cookie. Uh, Matt, did they, did they lose the, the Challenge Cup last year narrowly? Yeah, they lost to Wigan with like they scored with like four, three, four minutes to go. Yeah, did they lose any big games narrowly last year? The playoff game. Oh well, they got nil. They got hammered by Salford in the playoffs, didn't they? They got they yeah. like 28, 28 nil. They're not. They're not. They're not winning enough tight games, and that's yeah. not just this season. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, they are almost. I would almost say the biggest disappointment. Because you cannot continue to have the player register that they've got and not keep keep turning up and losing them big games. Mm-hmm. They've got to find a way to get over the line in big games. I was at Huddersfield St. Ellen's and it ends up really tight. But for me, St. Ellen's off the back of the World Club Challenge should have lost at Castleford and didn't. And that's only because Castleford is so poor. But there's no way for me Huddersfield shouldn't have beaten St. Ellen's that night. I, I, I'm not sure. I, the, you say the jury's still out on them. Well, for me, they've got to do better because Ken Davey, God bless him, throws his cash in like nobody else. And Ian, Ian has had the time, Ian Watson, to, to change that player register around. And it's not for me, they've got to win some big games. 
And the sooner they do that, the better, because if they do win them big games and they do get over the line in the final, then I think they can kick on. But there just seems to be something there that stops them winning big games. And I'm not quite sure what that is, whether it's the players' mentality, whether it's too safe a game of rugby league. How many times do we hear pundits and players' pundits as well that are still playing the game say, well, you know what you're going to get with Huddersfield? It's exactly the same. They turn up exactly the same every week and they do exactly the same things. And you've just got to be able to stop it. And that's harder harder than you think. But the, the teams are still managing it too often for me against them. They're still managing to get over the line against them in them big games. Yeah, so someone... Someone put it to me like this, and I can relate to it. They said, the worst team to play poor against in Super League is Huddersfield. Because if you're not on it, they, they'll they just suffocate you. And it's yeah. horrible. And it's a really bad place to be. But they also said, if you're playing well, they're actually one of the teams you'd, you'd like to play the most. Because if you're on it and you're playing well, you can you can deal with what they throw at you. They that don't was, do anything different, Matt, do they? They don't do anything different. No. no. Defensively, if you're on it, defensively, if you're on it, they're not going to score too many points against you. You only have to score more than 12 then in a Super League game to win. Mm-hmm. Joe, in, in, in mitigation, playing devil's advocate a bit, we've still not seen them have uh, Lola here, Connor, Farge, on the field at the same time. Is that an excuse? Can it be an excuse? Or is it still a case of must do better? I think it can be an excuse, but knowing Ian Watson as a coach, it's probably, you know, it won't be an excuse to him. You know, he's brought in a lot of big name players, hasn't he? You mentioned Jake Connor, got 33 assists last year, and he's still getting into his groove. Had an OM operation, didn't he, at the back end of the season. But for me, like Cookie mentioned there, after watching Huddersfield, sometimes you're in awe of the way the play is a bit boring, but you just think it's a simple game, rugby league. But what I've noticed is they're a bit scared sometimes to take it to that next level. I mean, when I watched them against Leeds on Sky, and I remember they made a break, and normally you see teams on the attack and try and switch it and make it into the corner. They kind of just go back to one at rugby, and it's like they don't like to build on the good stuff that they do because it kind of goes away from the mantra, and teams will come accustomed to to that, and that's probably proven with the 50% record they've got. Of course, two wins and they could be where LKR are in third position. If Rovers lose the next two, you know, it's a funny game, rugby league, and we'll judge it once, obviously, the cup competition comes in in the back end of the year. But, yeah, for me, he's got a plethora of talent, and I just think with the signings he's made, is it suiting the way Ian Watson wants to play um, at Huddersfield Giants? I don't know if that might change, but at the moment, they are the, they're a team that do like to ground you down, but people know what you're going to get from Huddersfield, and I think coaches now are smart and will will go against Ian Watson. There's only so many times you can ride that look and be the new kid on the block with the new ideas. You've got to change it up sometimes, and I don't think he is at the moment. So what 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 are we grading them? I'll right. I'm going to go with a C minus. I'm going to go with a C minus because I think the results have been a little disappointing. The flip the flip side, and I get Cookie's point. They were losing games close last year. They still are now. Nothing's changed, but I still think that they're thereabouts. I still I still think come the end of the year. They might come good. So I'm not going to write them off yet. However, I'm not convinced either. So I'll go C- minus based on so far. Cookie? I, I think D, Matt. I just think um, 
you, you talk about the players that they've not had on the field in Lola here, Connor and Fags, and, and not them being on the field. Well, there's Tompkins, Pierce, and all of them players that haven't been on the field at Catalan and McAlorum. And I just, you know, I don't think that many teams would have had exactly the side that they would want on the field, but some of them have found a way. Don't forget they've got a game in hand, but it's against St. Helens. So arguably they could easily be four from nine, which is less than 50%. In terms of the results, they've won four of eight. So I'm just not, I'm just not convinced by them. And I agree with what George has said. Sometimes it, it's easier to cut. Ian Watson. It was easier to coach to Salford, who have got no pressure on shoulders whatsoever to perform and perform that the way they are. But Paul Rowe has improved them, and I'm not quite sure that Huddersfield has it have improved enough for me under Ian Watson, considering the, the amount of money he's spent and the way he's changed the squad around. Joe? Yeah, D-plus, I think, you know, must do better if it was a school report. You know, it's still early days and they've still got a few months until the real exams start to come. But, yeah, they're not hitting the height that we thought they would so early. And you've got to build these points up, you know, because if teams like Catalan and Salford and Rovers and even Leeds, to some extent, keep on winning, that gap between six and seven is only going to grow larger. So we've got a C minus, a D plus, and a D. So we've got D plus as an average for, for Huddersfield. Um, oh, this one will be fun. Hull FC. <laughs> you know what, Cookie? I'm just going to let you go first here. Go on. Do you know where, where do you start? Where do you start? Listen, this is a vicious, vicious circle at the club, and there's no one thing on that circle which you can pinpoint and say we we have got that right and we've got we've got to, we can't really do any better than that and i suppose the the best one for that right now is what you consider the youth system they've got um in terms of where they're at in terms of youth there's seven in the academy yorkshire squad um but ultimately that ain't going to do a great deal for you at first grade when you're playing so poorly unless you blood them now and give them two years to come good um there is just so much to do at that club um, they must be thankful that Tony Smith's in charge there and I know it's not easy for the fans now to say we, 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 we're going to write off 2023 and, and then improve in 2024 but ultimately that's what it looks like Matt because um, I don't I hate to say it about players but it just doesn't look like some of them care enough and and I know that's not it, being a player that's really difficult to be labelled that you don't care and you're throwing the towel in but the way that they're playing right now and the way that they're conceding points and you know some of the horrendous losses they've had over the years, there's just too many players that have been part of that for too many years that that are going to find out at the end of this season that they're not going to be part of it anymore and, and improvements have to be made. So I think they are easily, easily the biggest disappointment of the season so far, without question. What did you make of Adam's statement, Cookie? Well, uh, <laughs> It smells of calmness to me, and and that's not something he's always been. Maybe that's because Tony is in there, and he's just maybe the the way that Tony handles him and the way that he can break it down what he's gonna do in in the next eight, ten, twelve months, or even twelve to twelve months, two years, three years. Um, maybe maybe that's why his statements come out the way it has. Um, yeah, it's just a really really tough one at the minute, and you can completely understand I mean a couple of friends of mine have been going 50 years and I mentioned this the other week to you Matt 
they're not going to go anymore. And that's so sad because I was part of a group of players that came off losing to London Broncos at home in, in late 1990s and was throwing coins at and spat at. And he was still there to support that, this guy. So it's just a really tough place to be at the time in at this time in terms of supporting the club. And it must be tough as in terms of being a player at the club because it, it just fundamentally is there's something wrong. Let me bring Joe in here for a minute. Um, look, there's they've made some decent strides forward with the academy uh, in the last couple of years. They're obviously moving to the uni where they, they're saying that the, the facilities will be enhanced. But ultimately, I just look at their recruitment retention and go, what is the plan? What What, what is the strategy? And I, I don't think there is one. Now, the reason I'm bringing you in is you obviously cover whole KR and over the last two, three years, there has been, since Tony came in, basically, uh, well, when since Tony got there, he's left now, obviously, at FC, but there was a very clear recruitment strategy at KR. I don't think Hull FC have a, a, great, a great plan. If they do have a plan, I'd love to know what it is. And, and ultimately, that's just what they need, isn't it? Just a plan, a direction of travel. Yeah, they do. And I think it's all right saying this now after nine games, but I even thought when he took the job, I think Tony's got more of a challenge sorting this mess out as he did when he took over from Tim Sheens at Craven Park in 2019. He had a team that probably were as poor as Hull FC are now, but they'd have a little bit of a dig for each other. And at the moment, they're just not doing that. They take all rivalry aside, Hull FC should be doing better, you know, for the ambition they want to have. But there is just no plan, Matt. And Hull fans can cry about it all the time, saying we need to get rid of all 20 players. Well, let's know. Let's let's take it back a bit, strip it back and think, how can we build on some of the players that are out of contract? Um, but then there's even little silly things happening, like fans finding out through Dan, our Hull reporter, that the likes of Leaky Sow and Jack, Brown, who supposedly are out of contract, aren't. And it's like, just let's be clear, that's all Hull fans want. And I think all people in the city of Hull from both sides just want an honest team who'll work hard for each other. They'll be there through the good times and the bad. But there's a bit of, you know, there's no connection really at the moment and you, I was witnessing obviously that demolition on Good Friday and there were, you could see it from the start. Hull fans didn't really want to be there. There was your typical dab. Derby banter, but nothing from what we've seen over the years. And yeah, I think Tony, he's the right man to do it. Of course he is. I think any any person who wants him out is probably just a bit too passionate and trying to dig it out the coach. But there is underlying issues at Hull FC. They've got to recruit well, but they've also got a good academy. And I was speaking to Dan about it the other day. I think they can't be signing 20 players, getting rid of 20 players. That's not going to work. Tony did that at Rovers in 2020. And I know it was a COVID hit year, but he brought in, you know, people who were Super League quality just to kind of add the numbers up. Whereas he's got to have a proper think about this. He's got to strip it back and think, is there any quarter players I can bring in? Look at the British talent because they're in a pretty big mess, aren't they? And We've spoke about Castleford being in this mess. It's identical to what Hull FC are in at the moment, and there's no getting away from that. It's a long-term process. Fans have got to be patient. But, yeah, Tony's the right man to do it, but at the moment, that's just words because Hull fans want results, but I don't think they're going to get many this year. And it's a good job, like Cookie said about Cass, Wakey are so poor. Yeah, I mean, Cookie, they, they all Look, it's a minority, isn't it? But there are some people saying, get Tony out. I mean, that's just a nonsense, isn't it? They've had how many coaches have they had where the same issues have persisted? Surely, surely, surely. Well, this is my opinion. There's no way that the coach is the problem there. No way at all. 
Well, well, well it, are the three coaches, do they not work hard, Matt? Do they not, do they not put hours in on video, hours and hours in on co planning coaching sessions, hours and hours in on defence, hours and hours in on attacking structures? Listen, need, no coach in Super League works any harder than the other one. The difficulty at OFC is they should be doing better and they should be doing better than Castleford and Wakefield because they spend a hell of a lot more money than them too. And it, you're right, it can't be three coaches, but there's a, a number of players that have been there that long and a number of players whose performances haven't improved from one week to the next, let alone one year to the next. So I just, it's just, a, it's a hell of a job. It's a hell of a job on the line. Um, but but I agree with I agree with Joe and, and you as well. There's no better person in charge to do it, and you can call for his head all you want. You, if you can give me another coach that has time after time after time turned the club around and turned the fortunes around from one year to the next, or from one year to the next to the one after that over three years, then then I tell you what, I'll join the I'll join the squad, but the coach builder, and we'll get a pot to get him over from Australia, wherever it is. But there isn't any, Matt. Not that are, not that are out of a job already. So it, it's just a really tough one for the fans because all they want to see is some effort and commitment. And ultimately, the Derby demolition is not effort and commitment in the biggest game in this city's calendar. The players didn't turn up. And that is not... The coach shouldn't have to motivate them to turn up and play in a Derby. And I know for fact that that should be the case. But they didn't turn up. So what reason have they got to be coming playing this weekend and next weekend, unless it's a derby game and they still don't even get up for the big one? Can't disagree. Can't disagree. What what we grading than them? Look, I, I might I'll be start, Matt. Ungraded. Oh, you. Ungraded. Oh, you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't, listen, ungraded. Ungraded. The performances are absolutely all over the place. Roll first two wins, they still could have lost them two games. They played the team that they beat last seven weeks ago this weekend and lost by 30. But have turned around a narrow win to a 30 point loss in seven weeks. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm slightly more reserved, and, and the only reason being that I anticipated that they would get worse this year, so they haven't done any worse than I thought they would do. Maybe the manner in which some of the results have, but then again, they've been like that for years. So I'm going to go with a slightly more conservative E, which is, that's a big gap between me and you, Cookie, but I get where you're coming from. Uh, so, Joe, you've got a big sway in this. What what are we giving Hull FC? <laughs> well, I was going to go you as well, just to back, back up, <laughs> you then. Back up my you. colleague Dan and reading some of his opinion pieces and look at some of the stats. I can't remember off the top of my head, but how many times they've been put to the sword by like 30 or pumped by 50, 60. It's absolute leaps and bounds above any other Super League club over the past five, six years, you know, since the back-to-back -back Challenge Cups. They are on a bit of a decline. And again, Tony's the man to take it there, get them there, you know, rebuild and stuff. But at the moment, yeah, they are dire. Fair enough. I will uh, will go with a U. A U hey, Matt, Matt, do you think do you think Castleford should be sat one place above them on the Super League table, regardless of it only being on points difference? Well, it's a tough one for me to answer, Cookie, because like when I did my start at end of, start of season predictions, I, I tipped Hull FC to finish eleventh. I did. I did think they would get worse again. I really did. So they they're not. So I'm not surprised by where they are in the league at all. In fact, mm. it's where I expected them to be. 
So, so that that's the only reason why I'm saying an E, just because yeah. I I think if you go back to to what I said, I think the words I use what it will get worse before it gets better, and ultimately it, it has. So, um, yeah, I'm not fair human, point. that that that's the only reason I've I've not gone as 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 bad as you two. Um, but nevertheless, it's still grim. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. And what makes it worse for LFC is that. The, the lot from across the city are actually doing really well. The neighbours are doing really well. They are, aren't they? On to Hull KR. Isn't it brilliant? Uh, Isn't it absolutely brilliant? <laughs> yeah. Please, for It's us. absolutely typical. Well, I mean, are they, are they the success story of the season so far, Cookie? Is yes. that too much? Or absolutely. That absolutely. Absolutely. Because, for me, the scepticism came in with Hull KR with them employing a coach that's never coached at the in, in Super League at top level. Uh, and a, another assistant coach coming over from Australia, off the back of the work that Tony Smith had done since uh, Tim Sheens had left the club and where he'd left them, you know, previous season there was 80 minutes from Old Trafford. So where was the improvements going to be made? That was my question to you at the beginning of the season, Matt. You know, where, where do OKR improve and how does Willie Peters improve? It'll be intriguing to sit and watch it. Well, I'll tell you what, you tip your hat to that man and you tip your hat to the rest of the group of players and you tip the your act to them off the field and what they're doing off the field with the you know the recruitment in the boardroom and then the ground development um you know every everything in the facilities is going to get better it, it, listen they are easily in my opinion the, the the team that has surpassed any um expectation level from me again i mean i'm a bit Look, I, I think they've had a great season um, and they've exceeded my expectation. But I've got to admit, I did have them finishing fifth. I, I did think they would have a good season. I think they've got a good yeah. squad depth. I think we've seen that. I think I think squad depth is so underrated because it's not only the fact that when you get a few injuries, you've got cover. It forces everyone to have to play well because if you don't yeah. play well, you don't get in the team. And we've seen that at Hull KR. There are players who are in that squad and, and I'm not picking out individuals, but... Last year, given the squad depth, if they had put some of the performances in they have put in this year, they would have still got in the team. Well, it doesn't happen now. So then it raises standards and it makes everyone have to be better. And I've, and that's why I thought OKR would have a good season. Now, granted, the third at the minute, uh, whether they keep that up or not, who knows? Never say never. Um, but Joe, I mean, you, look, you, you were confident from with your whole KR hound, you were confident that they would be good. Have they have they exceeded your expectations or is it have they sort of done what you anticipated they would do? I always thought they'd be there or thereabouts and that probably goes off my original meeting with Willie Peters in October just by speaking to the bloke without having the media hat on, you know, not recording anything, just speaking to him for about an hour about what he wants. And it just the fact, the words he was saying to me about becoming a bit more aggressive and more arrogant, but not an arrogant way where you turn up and you don't respect your opponents. I've been you know, I've watched Hull KR as a fan. I've seen it as a player at the academy and training with the first team at the time when the club was going through a tough patch and now reporting on it. And I can honestly say, like I said in my tweet last week, that connectivity that I mentioned that's not at Hull FC at the moment is there at Hull KR. And the fans at Rovers are a passionate bunch and they deserve, you know, a bit of, a bit of spark because they've, They've gone through some tough times, obviously, with relegation and all stuff like that. But Rovers are a team on the up, on and off the field. Granted, I see it a lot more, speaking to the Lakin and with you, Matt, and speaking to Willie Peters and players every week. And But 
there's a real buzz about Craven Park and there's a real buzz about Hull KR in the rugby league world. And rightly so, they're getting the recruitment right. They're confident in their approach. They're quite outspoken. Lakin's made it clear about what he wants with IMG and what they want to do with Craven Park. And the, that modern approach that's coming into Hull KR now, it's at the right time. And they're an attractive club and they really are. And I think there's not many in Super League and... What I'm loving about Rovers, and probably Cookie will agree for seeing Rovers for so many years, they've always had attacking threats. They've always been able to score wonderful tries and be that team that, oh yeah, they can score a good try, but oh, they'll have a few good games, but they're nothing special. The longevity's not there. What it is now, it's that attitude of every game is a cup final, every tackle is the last tackle of the game. Every attack, they've got to make inroads. They're not just going through the motions. And what I'm loving at the moment is they'll score a try and you'll see, you know, they've Mikey Lewis doing his celebrations to the fans. But when teams are knocking on and they're forcing an error, you've got the likes of Elliot Minchella screaming to the East Stand as if they've just won the Challenge Cup. And, the, you know, that might sound a bit daft to some fans, but it's what Rovers have needed. They've needed a bit of arrogancy and a bit of bottle about them. And I think that's getting them that next step further. They don't care that we're going to come into Rovers or St Helens or they're going away to Hull FC or even this weekend going to Castleford. They're confident, and they're, they're confident in their approach. And what Willie Peters says all the time is they're bothered about what they're controlling. They respect their opponents and they'll mention a few key players who they need to watch out for, like every media you know, interview goes in this spot. But they're more bothered about doing what the whole KR mantra is, and that's working hard for each other and never giving up. It's early doors. Do I think they're going to go on and win the treble this year? Absolutely not. But they're in a good chance of actually doing something and not just being a one-trick pony. And their injuries are helping as well. I mean, as it stands, they've got, apart from Jesse Sue who's suspended, they're at full strength when they go to Cass. And that's been an issue as well for Rovers for so many years. They've had the talent, you know, you go back this time last year, there was fourth after Good Friday and playing on Easter Monday away in France. And then they lose nine games on the bounce and lose 21 players to injuries. Hopefully, touch wood, that doesn't happen this year. But yeah, there's some at Bruin at Craven Park. I do think there could be a special area on the horizon. We've said it before, but I do think there's a bit of difference with Willie Peters as well. And I'm loving what he's bringing to Hull KR. And I know the fans are as well. So a long way to go, but the early signs are there. And it kind of, you just need to continue now. And you've set the benchmark. You, you can't really go under it. The, the beauty for KR now, Cookie, just with an eye on May... Uh, May the 1st, they suddenly are actually an attractive team to go and sign for, aren't they? Well, uh, there's a reason why Corey Hall's gone one way and there's a reason why Will Dagger went the other. There's a genuine, you, you mentioned it earlier, about the recruitment policy of different teams. There's a genuine policy there, isn't there, of bringing in a young outside back for a full-back when you've already got two full-backs at the club. Um, you know, it's it's not rocket science is it when you actually look at that as a layman from outside into the group it makes absolute perfect sense um the biggest the, the biggest attraction now for OKR is they're in a position now where you can sign from this year without worrying about them being relegated Matt whereas that hasn't always been the case in previous seasons so it allows you to have a go at every player that every other club's having a go at um I think the one the one biggest the biggest statement that I wasn't sure about and, and I, I was sceptical about at the beginning of the season was when Willie Peters said, we've got to believe more. When we start believing we're a good team, then we'll be better and better and better. I think it was you that told me the quote that he'd said and it was outstanding because it said to his team, if you don't want to jump on my train, go jump on someone else's. If you don't want to buy into what I believe we need at this club, then you don't be at this club. 
And that, that, I think, has been the biggest difference. The players have bought into everything. And they're certainly defensively much better than there ever has been at the club. Um, the right edge particularly was always the worry, wasn't it? And, you know, Opacek sort of sorted that out. They've had wingers outside of him that have jumped in and out and they've still won games. And I don't, I, I agree with, with Joe. There's a certain, there's a, there's a borderline between being arrogant and confident and I think they're right on the mark and they've got it absolutely spot on. And I think teams that are playing against them now know they have to play well, otherwise they will be beaten. Gradings then. Um, I will go I will go with an A minus. And I'm going A minus just because I think that Lee result was a bit disappointing, but pretty much Excellent. It is still a very, very good grade, isn't it? Ice we've given so far. A, a minus for me, Cookie. Yeah, I, I think A. Man, I think, a, and I'll say that because I think the the Lee result could have been the one where Willie Peters really ripped into the team, and that as the fortunes has changed after that. I think they should have beaten Warrington too. You know, I've I've been watched the game for for the Man of Steel panel. That Rowan Mills is over the line and, and don't get it down. He's clean through in the second half. They lose by eight, and it's only a last minute try to Paul Vaughan. I think that they could easily be two games better off, and them two games would have been the ones that Willie Peters would have reviewed the most um, and really ripped into the players. I think they've been brilliant this year, and I think if they can stay fit, and I mean that in terms of the span of the team, if they can keep Mikey Lewis and Abdul on the field together, Coote at the back, Parcel and Lytton floating in and out, I think they have a real chance. Joe? Yeah, as well. I think we've spoke about them on the field, but quick mention before we move on, just off the field as well, you know, with the 3G pitch, Craven Park getting redone over the next three or four years. Obviously, more plans will come um, out in the next few months or so, but also this power board that it's they're going to have their hand in what happens with the stadium with recruitment as well. So it is, it's exciting times. And I think that, like I said, they've just they've set the benchmark now and I know they don't want to drop under it. I know everybody involved in the club don't want to. So let's see where they can go. On to Leeds, the brilliantly bonkers Leeds Rhinos. Uh, what a strange season they are having. They've beat St. Helens, Catalans, Huddersfield, lost to Hull FC and Castleford. Uh, performances up and down. Oh, I, I, just, I just don't know what to make of them. What about you, Cookie? Well, they are middle of the road. If there's ever a middle of the road team, they are middle of the road. They're either really, really good or really, really rubbish. <laughs> and and there hasn't really been an in-between. Um, I'm not quite sure with the chaos surrounding the, the captaincy. I'm not sure whether what's happened there and the right the right or the wrong thing to do. Um, yeah, it's it, it, you just never know what you're going to get with Leeds. I mean, I've backed them against Catalan and I had no real reasoning for doing so, but they end up winning the game and it's like, you know, it, then you think, do you know what? I think they're going to be really, really good against Cass and they'll beat Cass. And then Cass turn them over and you think, but they're second bottom at the time and they hadn't won a game, Cass. And you just wonder where some of their performances come from in terms of them being so, so good or, or not very good at all. Joe, you've, I know you've seen a little bit of Leeds. Um, and they are, they're just an enigma, aren't they, really? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say they're an enigma. And they're so weird, aren't they? They're weird and wonderful. And sometimes they look like a League One side. And then sometimes they'll go and beat Saints away. And you just think, yeah, they're still in with a shout. I don't know how to speak about them because you watch them and they don't do anything spectacular. I don't think they're a, 
a pleasing team to watch or I don't really particularly like enjoying them. Maybe that's because they're overloaded on TV a lot and it's the only games you ever get to see on a night time. But yeah, they've got, they've got some good players. Um, the young lads I really enjoy. I've always, you know, I played in that area with Mikolai and Cam Smith and knew what they was going to do. You know, they was formidable at academy level and they've gone on and they're only still mid-20s, so they've got a long, long way to go. Then you speak about your Harry Newmans and your, your Tom Holroyd, who are great young players. I think... Some are maybe they're overseas players. They shouldn't maybe be looking at retaining at the end of this year. Obviously, Rowan Smith will have his contacts in the NRL and also in the lower leagues because that's where he was coaching. So there's a lot of potential there. And they're a bit like Man United, aren't they, in football terms? I know they won the Challenge Cup a few years back, but they are still that big name, even though they haven't been at the top for the last four or five years. They're still an attractive club to sign for, obviously. A lot of players like living in and around the city of Leeds, so they've always got that attraction for it. Um, but for this year, yeah, I don't know. There could be similar to maybe like Castleford or Rovers or Hull over the years, where they're, they're fighting for a bottom end playoff spot, but then when push comes to shove, because of that inconsistency and winning two, losing three, or one and four, whatever you want to call it, might come back to bite them. A lot of potential, a lot of English talent there, which I really enjoy watching. But yeah, they're not the complete side for me at the moment. And they have still got a bit of, I want to call it Deadwood, because that is disrespectful. But I think Leeds fans would agree as well. They've got a lot of gems to build around. And long term, I think they'll be sound. But this year, I think it's just going to be a, a maybe a 50-50 season of whether they make that top six or not. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. Um, I think the one thing for Leeds is the fact that you look at that pack that they are building at the minute. Oledsky, 24. Holroyd, 21. O'Connor, 21. McDonnell, I think, 23. Uh, Gannon, 19, 18, maybe. Cam Smith, 24. I think they've you've got Harry Newman, obviously, at the centre. I just think they've assembled a young group of players that can really push them forward in the years to come. Now, whether, whether they've got enough around that to, to do it this year, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm really not. I, I'm still, I'm with you, Joe. I think they're, they're on the periphery. They're just in or just out of the playoffs uh, this year. But I do think, with a long-term hat on, I think I think they've done some really good things there, bringing through some of those. Uh, let's give come through, but, you know, Holroyd, O'Connor, um, not so much Gannon this year because of the concussions, but McDonald's proved to be a really good signing. I think they've done some good work there. I do think they've done some good work there. The, the, thing, the thing with them as well for me, Matt, is is last year there was very similar. And I say last year there was very similar. Rich Agar went and Rowan Smith came in. They got hammered at Salford, I believe, first game. Then they steadily improved throughout the season. And the, the, I suppose there's, if I've got a Leeds Rhinos cap on as, as a supporter, it's, it is 50-50 this year, whether they improve like they did last year and all of a sudden you find them into the playoffs and playing so well and then making a grand final again. Or does it go the other way where they stick 50-50 and they're winning half the games? Don't forget they've still won five of the nine games up to now and they haven't been great all year or they've been inconsistent all year. If they find some consistency, the worry is for, for every other fan in the competition is they go on a run like they did last year. Because they're very much still capable of that, and, and going yeah, on that run. So, as a Leeds fan, I'm not sure whether you you know you, you keep your hat forward saying, you know what, I think we might do alright this year, or you put it on backwards and say, yeah, we'll be fifty fifty this year. But what we are building is a really good team for the future. I'm not sure which one you'd accept as a Leeds fan. Yeah, I agree. So, what what are we grading them then? Uh, uh, I think 
I think just with that you with that long term thinking on, uh, I'll I I I can't give them a, a B because some of the performances have been horrible. I I'll give them a C plus. Cookie. Yeah, I, I agree. I think middle of the road, Matt. Middle of the road, C. Just they've they've not they've not been brilliant. They've not been well. They have been rubbish, but there's so much in. There's not much in between that consistency-wise. And I just think they are an absolute middle-of-the-road team. They're sat in the middle of the road in the competition. Um, they're building for some nice stuff off the field with regards to the recruitment of players and retention of players and, and the age of players you've just mentioned. So, yeah, I just think right now, after nine games, the middle of the road. Joe? Yeah, boring C again. I think they'll scalp some big names throughout the year, but they'll also get beat in some of the um, games that they're expected to win as well. Middle of the road, we'll, we'll compare it in another 10 games, see where they are. They are that enigma like you've mentioned so many times, Matt. On to uh, Lee next. Um, oh, You could say a lot about Lee. What I will say is I, I don't care what they said within the fall, uh, you know, in the media about uh, wanting to do more than just survive. The goal for them this year was to stay up because... It has been so, so difficult to do that historically in this competition. Well, nine games in, they've won four out of five. They're eight clear of the drop. For me, you can put it as simple as that. It's been a very, very successful start to the season for them, for me. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, some of the games have won. You would not have ever expected them to win. Um, St. Ellen's at home particularly. They've gone away to Warrington and been beaten in the end convincingly. I don't think they've been hammered in any game. I'm, I'm not, you know, even if the scoreboard's blown out, it's still been very close. They're a really, I just think a really well rounded club right now. That if the owner can stay out of the off the social media and out of the way in terms of that, and he is doing Derek, he's doing the right things off the field in terms of, you know, re recruiting players in. Chris Chester's doing a great job alongside. Um, Adrian Lamb, the players look like a really happy group of players that are playing with a smile on the face and expect to go to, to to places and win and win comfortably as they did last weekend at Wakefield. But the expected, I saw Josh Charney at the Warrington game the night before they played Hull KR and he was really confident they'd go to Hull KR and put in a good showing and who knows from there. But I don't think they're a group of players that are going anywhere with any fear um, and they're playing some attractive stuff and, and getting some nice wins and off the field, um, they're, they're arguably the, the success story of uh, of off-field activity and entertainment pre-game. Yeah, brilliant. I, I'm really looking forward to going there on Friday night. They've got Top Loader on. Uh, Dancing the Moonlight is an absolute tune. Um, yeah, yeah. They, I, think, I think they've done a brilliant job on and off the field. I really do. Um, I still think they may be... Um, have a style of play that won't see them beat the top teams regularly. Um, you know, that Wigan game, I think I think maybe they need to chance the arm a little bit more at times. But, look, regardless, Joe, they've, they've done what they need to do. I, and I say that, they chanced the arm against Hull KR, didn't they? Like, they picked up what proved to be an outstanding victory at Craven Park and they, and they were great with the ball that night. 
There was an I really lightly, but I hate them because I had to change my match report with about four seconds when the before the full time hosted <laughs> because Charlie goes in in the corner. I'd already sent it to you, I think, or our boss smells it. But no, apart from that, I've always liked Lee. And what's different this year is they are the more composed, gone off the days of just panic signing and being that club that nobody really likes and they're just there and they're going to get the drop. The, the job's done, isn't it? You know, I'd put my house on, I'm not going down, and I hope I'll last it listening downstairs because it might come back to bite me. But no, I, I, I do. And what Cookie said about Rovers, the fact that they know they can recruit players for next season because they know they're going to be in the top to end. You look at Lee and the, the names there can bring over anyhow because Beaumont likes to splash the cash and he's a passionate bloke. What's he going to be able to do and what's Chesey and Adrian Lamb going to be able to bring over now that they'll probably know in a few weeks' time they're going to be in Super League for the foreseeable future and with IMG, probably the longevity of Lee is going to be in Super League. So they've got a long-term plan. Again, their main goal was to stay up. They've exceeded expectations already. Beating the two whole clubs away from home is never easy, no no matter if one's third or one's 11th, you know, they're always tough places to go. And yeah, I'm, um, I'm quietly impressed by him. And I think the fans are just grateful that they've got a team who are building results now. And the Leopards brandings, you know, the, the, the one of the most talked about clubs in the league, aren't they? And I'm, you know, long may that continue. Cause I think I'm a fan of Derek Beaumont, you know, again, yeah, stay off social media, do your business and you know, you'll reap the rewards on the pitch. And like you said, Matt, Getting bands like Top Loader in and stuff, they might not be, you know, they might not be the Beatles or anything like that, but it's that entertainment factor that IMG are going to look at and go, yep, yeah, they're bringing match day experiences into it. There's something there for the fans. You don't just turn up, buy a pie in a pan and go home. There's something there at Lee on and off the field. And I think given time, they could become, the, 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 you know, I don't want to say the next Rovers because it feels like I'm just bigging old KR up, but they've got the benchmark there and they've got the point to prove. You invest well, you do stuff off the field and you eventually you'll become a bit of a better club yeah and if, if rumours are to be believed um, they are willing to throw some even more money into their squad next year um, so watch this space on that hmm. in terms of grading um, you know what I, I'm doing you're looking at it from you know the context of each club and rather than just going oh well they're third so they're an A and they're hmm. fifth they have to be a B doing it, doing it with context behind what Lee needed I'm going to give them an A because I think I think for what they have achieved uh, compared with what they needed to do this year, I think they've way 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 exceeded that. I still think they're an outside bet for the playoffs. I don't think they will make it, but never say never. For me, massively successful start to the season for them, so they get an A from me. Cookie. Yeah, I agree, Matt. I agree. I think that they are way ahead of where they thought they would be. And I remember Derek Beaumont's comment before um, Lee came to Hulkar. And he said, listen, we don't expect much. We could be not from seven. We could be not from seven, not, not from eight, not from nine after nine games because of the fixture list we've had. And, and all of a sudden, the four from the four from nine. And I think that exceeds all of their expectations. Um, yeah, I, I think the, they've been a breath of fresh air for the Super League. And I think the recruitment of players and the balance within the squad and, uh, dare I say it, a no dickhead policy where... They've had a little bit of that in the past, and I think they've done remarkable. Yep, Joe. Yeah, B plus. I think they can go better as the season goes ahead. Like you said, an outside shot for the playoffs. I don't think they will be in the top six. But if we'd have said that, you know, nine weeks ago, then Lee fans had a bit our hands on one. So I'm excited to see where the Leopards can go in the next four or five years for sure. Salford next. Um, well, what what do you say about Salford? They play good rugby. Um, 
they are like a number of clubs that, well, in, in that middle bracket, they've won slightly more than they've lost. Um, they're in they're in the six at the minute. Um, for me, I think it's been a solid start to the year. I do still worry about the squad depth. Uh, you know, I think there are players playing busted. We've seen at other clubs, namely Huddersfield and a bit of KR, where they've got that depth and they've pulled them out if they're not 100% right. So if they don't have that luxury, I do wonder how that will impact them later on in the season. However, they're doing all right as it stands. Um, I think it's been a yeah a decent start to the season for them. Yeah, great. I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're a team which exceeded all expectations last year. But for me, Matt, I can't remember too many times where they didn't have the one, six, seven and nine on the field at the same time. Um, this season, they've had a little bit of that. Akers has missed a couple. Um, however, they still play really attractive football and they all have a job role and, and everybody knows it, particularly with ball in hand. Really unfortunate to lose at Warrington um, when there was first half much the better team against Warrington. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, the, the, the depth of squad is the only worry. And if there's key positional injuries... That's a worry at Salford because, you know, for argument, if Mark Sneed misses four weeks uh, or, or a Brody Croft, then whoever's playing alongside that, that other half has got a real job and, and real big boots to fill in that team. Um, so, yeah, the, the only worry would be that. But if they stay fit, then they're, they're a genuine chance against any team at, at, at any ground in Super League, whether that's home or away. It is the biggest compliment you can give them almost, Joe, the fact that we're talking about them now. We're saying fifth, yeah, decent start. They sort of laboured to a win over Castleford and we're almost a, a tinge of disappointment that, you know, they oh, they haven't played that well. Yeah, we won. Well, but isn't that a, a massive testament to the strides that they've made as a, as a team? The fact that, you know, the fifth won more than they lost and it's kind of like, yeah, all right, because it's not too long ago that Salford were... Perennially down at the bottom all the time. 100%. I mean, when like watching Super League as a youngster, Salford City Reds, as there was called, and then even when Kukash came in, there was a bit of a an easy ride, a bit of a laughing stock at times. And they are, they're a bit more sensible now. And I think in some of the games, they've been absolutely excellent. They have got the odd, I mean, obviously, I was home against Rovers when they beat them on the round two. And sometimes they have been poor. And that's just testament to the standards they've set. And you see what they did against Hull FC with that attacking flair. Some absolute outrageous tries. If there was the in, in the NRL, you know, Fox League over there would have been absolutely pumping it on their socials. But so, yeah, they've got that star quality. And again, it's so early in the season in a sense that, yeah, it's nine games in, so we can gorge a bit of whatever team's going to be like. But anything could happen. And you again, you mentioned them little knocks to an Andy Akers or an Ollie Partington. You can kind of get away with it in the middle a little bit. If that happens to a Brawley, a Sneed, even a Ken C on the wing, and we've seen it with Burgess and Lafayette who have picked up knocks as well. But they come over the adversity and they're still in the top six at the moment. But again, they haven't got that depth, Matt, have they? And that can come back to bite you. But at the minute they're riding that wave and playing, players are playing a little bit busted up, but it's not seemed to hurting them too much at the moment. Can they last that as the season progresses? We'll see. But yeah, there's um, they're going along nicely and I think this is what was expected of them. They won't jump up any trees and because you've probably, we've seen it for so many years now, you kind of expect Salford, you know what you're going to get with them and yeah, that's continuing this year under Paul Rowley and they're making strides all the time. It is crazy because if, you know, if they can keep everyone fit and do it for years and it's a huge if, 
you wouldn't back them winning something because they are capable of beating anyone and everyone in this competition. That That is the, the mad thing with Salford, but time will tell. Uh, in terms of grading, I think I'll just go a B. Just a B for Salford. Good. Good. Cookie? Yeah, I, I think I think C+. Plus. I think they're, they're, there's, there's improvement in them and I don't think they'll be happy with some of their performances. I don't think they've set the world alight at times. They did at Hull FC, but they, they haven't set the world on fire. I mean, they won a scrappy one last weekend against Salt uh, against Castleford. Um, yeah, I think there's a bit of improvement in them, uh, and if they can keep the key players fit, I think the cup's the one that they can win. I'm not sure they've got enough enough quality to win three playoff games from six, if you like, like like last year. They'll fall at like the final hurdle, and yeah, I think if they can get a, a good cup run and and get some teams in the in the cup and catch them, then they're every chance of winning the Challenge Cup. Joe? Yeah, B minus. Obviously playing probably at about 70, 60, 70% of the capabilities, but still found themselves fifth. And on another day, if they'd have performed a little bit better, again, they could be even second, you know, at the minute. So, yeah. On to St. Helens. Now, how do you judge this one, fellas? Because they're eighth in the league, which is uh, shocking for St. Helens and their ridiculously high standards, but they're the World Club champions. I mean, picked up one of the best, if not the best, victory ever for a British Rugby League club. I, I don't know where you go, Cookie. What, what what are your thoughts? Well, if you're grading them on a full season, then that game matters a, a great deal, doesn't it, um, in terms of the one in Penrith? If you're grading them on a Super League season, then they're way below the standards you expect of them. I always, and I said this to you, Matt, I expect there to be some kind of lull after them coming back from Penrith and should have lost at Cass. And then did lose against Leeds, have been beaten by Hull KR. You know, the, the, they've they've not beat they've not been brilliant since to come back from from Penrith. And we're now eight eight rounds in for them with the game in hand against Huddersfield. But um you, you, the the worry with St. Ellen's is when, when they're gonna click and, and when they do click, then everybody else is in a bit of bother because they're they're, they're unstoppable when they do click. So um it's a really tough one to gauge with St. Helens in terms of where you grade them, because if you grade them, which includes a World Club challenge, then it, it increases by a grade straight away at the very least. So, yeah, uh, I don't think Pro Wellens will be particularly pleased with the way his team are travelling right now. However, when you look at that, at that in context over nine weeks, then you know they've, they've won a really massive game for for everybody in Super League, the Northern Hemisphere, and 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 a World Club Championship. You know, at the end of the day. They, they've had eight games since since the World Club Challenge. It's, you're right, everyone expected a lull. There was going to be a lull, but eight, eight weeks is a long time, Joy. Is, yeah. is, there, is there something a little bit more to this? Oh, they're missing a few players, aren't they, as well? I mean, as good as Rovers' victory was, and I was quite adamant of this when I was doing my reports and my talking points, that was a brilliant result for Holkar, who deserved the win. But you add in Alex Wormsley, Ignatius Parsi, Sione Mitautier, Joe Batchelor, Morgan Knowles and Curtis Sirenin into that, the Holkar win, that's a different story. You've just met, I've just mentioned six players there who are getting arguably every other Super League team. So they'll come good. They've got, they've got Batchelor back this weekend. Um, obviously, they've got Warrington, which is going to be a, another solid test. Yes, they should be doing better, but... Is it this because we've just come accustomed to St. Helens winning the absolute lot and we expect them to smash every other team? It's quite refreshing to see them mid-table and actually fighting for a playoff spot, isn't it, after nine games? I know Saints fans won't be thinking that, but yeah, they did the country in the league proud when they went over to Australia, but they've come back 
doing it a little bit tough on the medical department and stuff, but they've got a new coach, you know, who's under a bit of pressure, which I'm surprised about as well, given the status he holds in St. Helens and what he did for that club. I want Wellens to have time. He's a young British coach, he knows a lot about the game, he's an intelligent bloke, and I think they'll come good. And again, they've gone through a little transition period, aren't they? Roby's probably going coming to the end of his career. Wellens is coming in as a new coach, um, inexperienced at the head at the top gig. So it's going to take time. Rome wasn't built in a day, but that Rome is nearly he's already completed, isn't he? He's just got to touch over it and he's got to deal with the expectations that come with being St. Helens now. They're in a totally different position to every other club. They've got to keep that standard, and unfortunately, they're not at the moment. But looking at the bigger picture, they've got six big players to come back. And when the you know the nice weather starts coming more regular, they'll hit the ground running and they're, they're going to be a shoe in for that top six. I'm not worried about Saints at the minute, but yeah, not the start they needed. Great in Zen. Right, look. A star for the World Club Challenge this, this season. They are 50-50. It's not been an absolute disaster. Just by their standards, it's probably an E. So I'm going to go dead safe, right in the middle, C. Ooh, yeah, um... agree, Matt. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. The World Club Challenge game makes them an A-star team straight away. Uh, and, and to be fair, they're, they're just not, they're not firing in the Super League. So, yeah, right down the middle. Yeah, 100%, and I agree with you too, and I think the Cup's coming soon as well, and it's so they'll be vying for that as well. So, yeah, we'll see, but see at the moment. On to Wakefield, oh dear. Uh, right, right. Uh, nine games, nine losses, nilled five times, four points adrift of safety. I mean, it, it, it can't, it just can't possibly be worse, can it, for, for Wakefield Cookie? It, it could not have been a worse season. Well, ultimately, Matt, the, there was tipped to finish bottom by almost every single media pundit out there. And and as a player, you know how difficult it is for that squad of players to win games in Super League. The, the real downside to it is the 5 nilins. I don't, I, I didn't expect them to win many games at all. Or, uh, listen, the Catalan at home was probably probably the one in round one where you, you thought they might be able to get a result with all Catalan's injuries. And they did score points in that game. Um, but I, I don't think I expected anything else other than Wakefield to struggle, just not with five nilins. And that's about it for me. Yeah, it, it's it's been the manner of it, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, the, take the results out. It's the manner in which... They, and it's not just that they've been nilled sometimes. You know, they conceded 60 to Wigan. 32 to Lee, 38 to St. Helens. Uh, I think it was it 32 to Leeds. You know, they've had a few tight ones. They lost in Golden Point to Salford. They lost 8 0 to Huddersfield. But yeah, yes, they've been nilled five times, but they've also been beat easy a, a lot of times as well. Um, Joe, I mean, Joe, that is there any way possible that they find a way to not go down here? No, I don't think they do. And do you know what? I think they know that. And it's quite sad in a way because they're a proud club and obviously every club has its own fans who think they should be at the top of the league and winning trophies. But I think from a Wakefield point of view, the fans have just given up. I mean, it will, obviously, again, I've been to a few games this season, um, did a few pre-season matches and then obviously Rovers' trip there a few weeks ago. And honestly, the fans just didn't want to be there and 
it's just a full club just seems like it's coming to its end of its Super League tether. I mean, you turn up, you have to park as a media, but you have to park three streets down because there's no spaces. You have to go down this little alleyway and it's, it's just like, this is just got to be, this is a top tier rugby league club and there's just nothing there for them on and off the pitch at the moment. They're trying the best, they're pumping a lot of money in. John Minard, you know, he loves his club and he's doing a lot of stuff off field to make sure Bellevue is a bit more aesthetically pleasing, but, but they ultimately, at the end of the day, they're not, aesthetically pleasing on the pitch are they and the overseas signings aren't working they're letting the young talent go you only have to look back at you know, this time last year when they had people like Terry Rona, David Fafita, Tom Johnson, James Batchelor, Jacob Miller and they've replaced them with Kevin Proctor who He's come over on a one-year deal after getting sacked for vaping in a changing room and ultimately just looks like he's collecting a paycheck at the moment. Renoff Tony's struggling for minutes. They've got players play Liam Kay playing at fullback and then Hooker at times. And it, it's just not working for him. And at the moment, with the money that they've got and the budget they like to run with and obviously the stuff that's going off with the stadium, they're not in a position to be signing players. Rovers have absolutely stole Corey Hall, their biggest asset, and got rid of Will Dagger, who was going go, leaving Craven Park at the end of the year. So they're losing out on swap deals. The transfers are frustrating fans. And at the moment, mate, to answer your question, no, there's no way out for them. And you only have to look at the next two games and it's War and Wigan and Warrington. And I feel for them, but the reality is they're probably going to be playing second-tier rugby. And unlike teams that have gone down, like your Lee and your Hull KRs, I don't think Wakefield are in a position to go, right, come on, let's rejuvenate, revamp a new picture. I don't think that'll happen. No, and that's the scary thing for Wakefield, because the easy thing to say is go down, start again. It's not as easy as that. You know, the, the clubs that have done it, you mentioned Lee, you mentioned KR. KR had Neil Hudgel putting money into it. Uh, Lee, obviously, like Derek Beaumont. You don't... You, Wakefield don't have that. Wakefield just don't have that. If, if Wakefield go, you only have to look at, say, Widness, where they are now, and there's some... Bradford are a good example, going back 10 years. You can go back 20 years to Halifax, who were the same, went down, have never come back, you know, and they're the clubs who didn't have the money, and Wakefield are in that bracket. So it is in, incredibly worrying for them. Um, I suppose the question, Cookie... Are they going to get a win? I mean, you know, no club has ever gone down without getting a win. Halifax finished with zero points in 2003, but because they breached salary cap rules, they did actually win a game. London won a game. Like how you breach salary cap rules when you get put together a team that won one game all season is beyond baffling, but that's a conversation for a different day. But, but are they at threat of becoming the first team ever to not win a single game in a Super League season? Yes, they are. They are in, a, in massive danger of that, Matt. Um, they're certainly not going to win the next two. <clears throat> what what may well be their saving grace is if they get a team the week before a cup semi-final or a cup final, um, that may be the only way that they get to play a team with a number of stars which are rested for the following week, which is a massive game. So, um, yeah, it, it is, it's a really... It's a really dire situation at the club and it's sad for, for many a good people that, that are at the club still and, and that care about the club. The, the one thing I would add to that is if they do go down and they put together a team which is competitive, their average gates will go up in the championship, as daft as that sounds, because people of that area just want to see a team which is, is battling on the field and cares and wins some games. And if that happens then arguably the business will run better 
in the championship, <laughs> as daft as it sounds. So um, it, it looks to me like they're headed that way. Um, it looks to me like whoever does come up from the championship will meet the criterias and, and, and will replace Wakefield. I mean, what are we grading them then? I mean, it's one of them, you, you said, Cookie, you know, everyone tips them to go down. So in that sense, no real surprise to see them where they are in the league. But I think just the fact that they've lost all nine, the fact that they've been nilled in five of them, the fact that they've been pretty, pretty much hammered in at least four of them, I've got to give them a U. Yeah, okay. well, they generally, they generally are that, aren't they? They've not, as daft as it is, losing five games to nil is... You're kind of ungrading your all, all your players anyway. I'm not sure if they were doing a player's stats from 1 to 10 and, and, and how they've played between 1 and 10, that many of them would have scored above a zero. So, um, in, them, in them respects, they are where they are and they've lost in the manner of which I, I didn't expect them to, to be nilled in five games and, and that is the only way you can un- ungrade them. Joe? Yeah, you, you, you've said everything that needs to be said. We don't need to inflict any more pain, do we, on the Wakefield listeners? If there is any after we've been doing that for the past five, ten minutes. Yeah, we've probably... Uh, <laughs> if, if, they, if they were miserable, they the the feel much better now, are they? Well, I think uh, they're realistic, though, Mark. As daft as that is, they're realistic yeah. with it. You know, they're realistic with it. So you, you can't, they can't come back at an argument of what, what stats you've just read out and what's happening off the field. You can't come back at that, can you? No, you can't. No, you can't. Um, on the flip side, the next club, Warrington, uh, well, no one quite knew what to expect. I don't think anyone would have tipped them to win eight out of nine, though. So, what do we think? I- I've got to admit, uh, I-, I-, I wasn't sure. I thought they'd be better, but that was a very easy comment to make because they could hardly be any worse than they were last season. But they've been better than I thought they would be. Um, you know, I know they lost to to Wigan this week in a bit of a scrappy game. Uh, I thought Wigan deserved to win that match. But nevertheless, they're still top of the league. They've won eight and nine um, and look like a team. So for me, they've been good. What about you, Cookie? Well, arguably, you, 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 we spoke about Hull KR being the team that's improved the most. Warrington, on reflection of last season to this season are easily the team that have improved the most. They've gone from 11th to top, winning eight of the nine fixtures within uh, the start of the season. And the transition from their club is statistically the biggest transition of any of the Super League clubs in terms of finishing 11th and now the joint the, the top and they've won eight of nine. The rugby league that they're playing, the, the way that they've changed the playing roster and who they've let go particularly before they've even brought anybody in of any quality, who they did deals with last year to release from the club, Mike Cooper, um, Toby King, to, to name a couple. So, you know, they've, they've done some some amazing work. And and, and if, there's a, if there's any little bit of light at the end of a tunnel for LFC fans, then there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with what Warrington have achieved this season. Yeah, I expected them to be in the top four, definitely. I mean, the caliber of players they've got, they should be. But it's 
we spoke about rejuvenating, didn't we? And sometimes the team has to go through its troughs before it can get its peaks. And I think that's certainly the case at Warrington at the minute. But it's just nice to see Daryl Powell with a smile on his face as well. I think people think in the media were like slagging everybody off and seeing coaches fail. But that wasn't the case. And you could see how angry and disappointed and probably upset he was last year, moving from Cass, trying, giving his big opportunity and it just didn't work. Fair play to Fitzpatrick and the powers that be at the Halliwell Jones because they've backed him. And yes, they've just they're coming off the back of a defeat to Wigan at the moment. But apart from that, everything's rosy, isn't it? You've seen him at the end singing with the fans and people putting the bucket hats on him. It, for a Warrington who have quite a, a passionate bunch in themselves and can get carried away sometimes, we don't need to mention the saying, but they seem to be backing Daryl Powell. And I think that can go a long way at a club like Warrington because they're probably... The biggest spenders, they're probably the ones that are the biggest underachievers in the big, you know, the last two decades or so for the money they've spent. But if they can back the coach and there's that pressure taken away from the playing group and the coaching staff, then it might take them to that next level because they're fighting a lot of battles over that end. You're competing with Wigan and Saints as well as you want to be winning these major trophies with the money that they're putting into the club. But yeah, early doors, of course, like it is with every other club we've mentioned. But I'm liking what I'm seeing and I think it's nice to see as well from an England point of view, George Williams firing at his best as well because when he's in full flow he's a joy to behold as well and I think Sean Wayne will be licking his lips because a happy Warrington team and an informed Warrington team adds about five, six star players into his reckoning as well Could it be there, year, Cookie? Well of course it could eight from nine, eight from nine and, and not just eight from nine but some of the manners have won comebacks too, the way they've won the tight games the, the one at OKR where they hung in there uh, and I do believe OK, I should have beaten, but they found a way to win. Whereas last season, they'd have found a way to lose by 30 points. Matt. So it could be. I'm not sure it will be, but it, it certainly could be. And as I said, I think they're statistically the, the most improved squad and, and team of players that we've had from last season to this. What are we grading them then? I, I It's hard, isn't it? Because... If you compare it on last year, you give them an A star, but then they were so rank last year that it's not right to, to judge them on that. But nevertheless, they've still won eight out of nine, and no matter who you are, that's a that's a great start to the year. So it's I think it's hard to go below A. I wonder whether go A plus. Um I'll go A. I'll give them an A from me. Cookie. Well, I agree, I agree with you, Matt, because um, and what I would say is the, what worried you at the beginning of the season, and, and I mentioned this quite a number of times with the different media outlets I was working with, he wondered whether Daryl Powell could be the OBE, the out before Easter, if they don't win enough games early on in the season because of the poor form last year. But they've exceeded all of that. I expected them to be up there. I didn't know that they'd win eight from nine, which has ex exceeded my expectations of the playing group. So uh, I think I would have had them at about a B, B, B minus maybe, but because they've won eight from nine, you can only grade them higher than that and an A for me because you, you just didn't know what to expect from, from Warrington because of such a, a poor 2022. Joe? Yeah, no, I expected it, but um, it's how they back it up now. And I think the A, as good as the on-field stuff is, is sorted out. The off-field problems and the attitude shift as well has been really impressive to see. So, yeah, they're top tier at the moment on and off the field. And finally, Wigan. Uh, they are second in the league. They've won seven out of nine. 
just looking at the stats, they've got the best defence in the league. Uh, only conceded 91 in nine games, which is pretty good going. Um, they, they probably were a bit underwhelming at first, weren't they? Like they, they started, they were pretty poor against Hull KR. They had that loss to Catalan, who had a weakened side out that they, they fell short against. But then, you know, the last couple of weeks, they beat Saints and they beat Warrington. Well, no one's uh, going to sniff at that, are they? Uh, it's just some going. Um, good season. Probably, despite being second, Cookie, dare I say they've gone under the radar a little bit? Yeah, and and that's where I believe they have gone under the radar a little bit because you expect a lot of Wigan because of last year's Challenge Cup success and the, the way that they've been uh, and, and under Matty Pink. But, but what I didn't expect was such a poor performance against Hull KR. But then I expected Hull KR to win that game because of the euphoria around it being the first home game and, and what they had going on off the field, the crowd's influence at, at Craven Park. It, it, so so that loss wasn't a massive surprise to me. The Catalan home loss was a surprise, which you don't expect from a Wigan team. But the revert to type, Matt, Wigan, the revert to type in terms of the DNA is difficult to beat. So they become a difficult team to one score against and two get over the line against them. What we've seen in the last couple of weeks is that the derby win and then the win against Warrington, uh, win against Warrington, which hands them their first defeat of the season, is exactly the type of team you expect Wigan to be. Um, but then I expected them to be towards the top end of the league. I expected Saints to be top and then Wigan to be second with Warrington up there. So they are in a position where I expected them to be. And I believe they believe they've got more improvement in them as a team. I, don't, I, I think they'd be right to think that as well. Uh, I, look, I thought they were very good against St. Helens. I thought they played the conditions very well against Warrington. I still think they can be, be better. What I would say, and I think these fellas got under the radar, I think the development of Harry Smith's been really impressive this year. I think... He, I thought he was excellent against Lee. I thought he was he was very good against Warrington. Um, I think he, young halfbacks always have the critics, but I think he's really come on as a player this time around. I mean, you're you're, a, you're an halfback cookie. What 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 do you mean? Well, uh, well, is it, well, you have to give me his age, Matt. I'm just gonna I forget how young he is. To be fair, twenty three. He's just gone twenty three. Right, yeah. So what I mean by his age is, it, he he has he seems older than that, like like he's been around longer than that, doesn't he? His development over the last four or five years has been fantastic to to see, and what he is coming into now at his twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, is the years where he perfects everything. So you'll see so much improvement, and then it'll peter out when he's about twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. And that's when his level of performance will be so so much more consistent. But he's certainly developed into one hell of a, a halfback that he's understanding the game so much more, understanding what his team need from him. I mean, I, I watched him two two years ago when they the played at home against a Warrington team and he's tried to slide two kicks through, which have regathered it somebody's legs and been regathered. Jake Mamo goes the distance of Warrington win. And it, that it's them plays now that you're not seeing anymore from Harry Smith. You're seeing him lob it up into a corner and stay really patient. His development's been sensational to watch and it will still continue to get to get more development and be more developed and refined in the next few years before he then hits his peak and it becomes so much consistency then. Here's a question then. 
Joe, are Wigan the favourites at this stage, nine rounds in, when you take into consideration Saints to start, when you take into consideration that, yes, Warrington have started great, but, uh, you know, history says that they always find a way not to win it. Are, are Wigan currently, right here, right now, the favourites to win a grand final? I think if you're putting money on somebody, it's definitely either Wigan or Warrington in it at the moment. But like you said, how many times have Warrington said it's their year and it doesn't come to fruition? But I think what I will say about Wigan is they probably haven't got out of second gear yet. I know Saints was a great victory. I didn't, I've only seen the highlights because obviously I was at the MKM for the whole derby before that. But to, to beat Saints like that and then to pick up some of the results they have done going away to Warrington, yeah, they'll be impressed and Matty Pete's quite a level-headed coach. Mentioned it when we were speaking about Leeds um, before, didn't we, about the English talent Rowan Smith-Scott. You can flip that on the head and mention you like to Harry Smith, your Ethan Havards, players like that. Even, I know he's not English, but I tell you a player who is impressing me is um, Abbas Miski on the wing who couldn't even get in this time last year and was kind of a bit of a waste of a quarter spot. Now he's come in and He's producing some good stats. And you know what Wigan, you're going to get with them. They say it on the tin, don't they? They're hard working, they're aggressive, and they'll never give in. And I think, yeah, they're, they're one of my tips. They'll be there or thereabouts. I think they'll be in a shout for the League Leader Shield as well, maybe with Warrington. Fingers crossed, hopefully, Rovers will still be in that conversation when we when it comes to the back end of the year. But yeah, they've got the old guards as well, still doing it tough, aren't they? Like your Liam Farrells, as well as the youngsters coming through. So again, once the window opens, there's, there'll be a lot of interesting discussions going on with how Wigan are going to recruit and retain but at the moment they're looking like one of the standouts so what are we rating them um uh, oh this is tricky I'll go B plus yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah, yeah. I, agree. I think it, B plus. I think this I think they'll feel there's so much more improvement in them as a group and I think they'll feel that they're, they're well equipped to to win both competitions that they're entering in terms of the Challenge Cup and the Super League, um, and what one of them will will be will be good for the club. Um, but yeah, I think that they'll believe as a group that they're going to get better and better, and and where they are right now is 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 a they're probably happy with as a group, but will want improvement. Joe. Yeah, I think I'm going to say B minus just because of, you know, obviously Paul, they wouldn't have wanted to get beat against Hull KR, but they wouldn't have wanted to get beat against Catalan. But again, it probably just shows that the standard that we used to, that we're rating them that low, even with seven wins and two defeats, they'll get better as time goes on as well. Uh, so that's the, that's the Super League clubs wrapped up. Just quickly before we, before we finish, Championship, I know both of you have been keeping an eye on it. Um, I certainly have as well. Um, someone will come up. Who do we think it will be? We all thought it'd be Featherstone before the start of the season. Have either of you seen anything to change your mind on that? Do you still think Featherstone the team to beat? Is there a dark horse cookie? You're obviously doing a lot with uh, via play, and I know you yeah, keep Fe- it. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, Featherstone are the team to beat, Matt. The issue I have with Featherstone is if the owner can leave it alone and stop putting pressure on the coach and the players, that might help because. Ultimately, right now, Sean Long has achieved no more or no less than Brian McDermott, Ryan Cat, anybody that's been at Featherstone in the last five years. Sean Long has achieved no more or less than them. The only way you can achieve more is to be promoted. And that, unfortunately, Matt, that doesn't happen until right at the end of the season. So stop talking about 
performances and, and, and all of that inside the first three months of the season, the best thing that could have happened to them, Matt, was being knocked out the cup, maybe. I don't know until the end of the season. But I tell you, it's it's more of an open competition than it has been because Lee dominated so much last year that it was it had to be them that came up. Uh, whereas I, I believe Sheffield on the day or, or Bradford with the dual reds from Leeds or a Halifax or a Batley can catch Featherstone again and catch them on a, a bad day, which is where it, it really, really matters for Featherstone. It doesn't matter if they lose 10 games between now and the end of the season, as long as they get promoted. So leave them alone until they get promoted as an owner and stop piling pressure on everybody. And Because if they do get promoted, it'll take off there. But they are the team to beat, but I do believe it's more of a level competition than it has been in previous seasons. Joe, have you seen anyone that you think is capable of, of overcoming Feverston? Um, you can obviously throw Toulouse into that bracket, can't you? And I know Sheffield are fed as well, and they've got some experienced heads. But a bit like with Featherstone as well, I mentioned like the, the owner doing that, but they seem to not have a, um, a core set of players as well. They're always borrowing big names from Super League teams on Jill Reg, like Avete or someone like that. I'd just like to see the... You know, the youngsters coming through at Fev and the actual players that they've got given a go. But yeah, they're the they're the front runners for me at the moment. And I know it comes down to that one game and at the minute it don't really matter what's going on until the actual grand final. But I, I think it, I think it is their time to come up. But if they do, they've got a lot of aging players as well, and it's not going to be easy. Of course, they'll have the pick of probably at this moment Wakefield's players, but are they going to go down a different different direction you never know do you they're going to have to spend some money if they want to be a sustainable Super League team even if we are talking about it in hindsight but yeah for me still Featherstone but it's nice to see the likes of Widness back up there Chef obviously or Fax Max and then um, and then Bradford and Batley just behind them yeah uh, I'm with you I think I just think Toulouse might have a chance because I think that they might start spending some money soon Mm. Uh, and invest in the squad. They they sort of were quite reserved in that it, with the recruitment in the sense of they had a bit of a shortfall after coming down. I think, you know, they were playing it safe a little bit um, and probably from experience as well. You know, you don't have to be awesome at this time of year in the championship. You need to do enough to be in the six, ideally finish the top two and go from there. Um, I think they might start spending some money and a bit like Lee did, you know, midway through last year and their squad might look a little bit different. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a chance that Everton do the same. But I think... well, the other th- the other thing with Toulouse there, Matt, as well is 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 the south of France rugby with the new TV deal is huge. And if they can throw Toulouse into that, Catalan might just lend them some players too. Possibly. So some of these young French players that are really impressive now, when the Sam Tompkins and McLaurins and them come back into the team and Pierce, they might send them to Toulouse to get them up. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Very true. Time will tell. Well, look, we'll wrap up there. Fellas, as ever, thank you for joining me. Um, been a good do. I'm sure we'll have pleased and upset supporters of certain clubs along the way, but it's life, isn't it? Well, it's not intentional, Matt, is it? If the rubbish, the rubbish, and if the good, the good. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Uh, big thanks, I'd said, to the, to the two lads. Uh, this has been House of League. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it as ever. Big week coming up. Hope you stay safe and well, enjoy whichever game you go to, and above all else, enjoy your rugby league. Take care.